this is it. If I look up, I'm going to cry, so I'm just going to look down all morning. Sandy, I cannot look at you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. I'm going to miss that smile. Um, hey, Luke, would you actually put this screen up? Um, I, I want to actually use the cross behind us as an example for something. So, just quickly, for those of you who don't know, or who have asked, I've had several people ask me this morning, what's next? Um, what is next is partially, we don't know. Um, what we do know is we're going to Ohio. What we do know is that starting in September, September 6th, I'll be working for Rosedale International. Um, my job at Rosedale International is a really fancy long title that really essentially means I'm going to go to churches and talk about missions. So kind of makes sense, right? It's what I do. I talk about missions. Uh, so it, it, I never thought I would ever have a job like this. Um, I don't know what I thought, but it's just I was always pastoring. And so I just never considered it. Um, and so what what <laughs> Rosedale's going to pay me to do what I like to do. Um, I get to go to churches, talk about missions and basically connect people. So talk about needs in the field, look for workers, talk to people, go, hey, we need you. Let's go raise money, be excited. Uh, kind of what I do naturally. And so the official title is Director of Partner Development. Um, so I will travel a little bit more. That'll be a little bit different from my family. I will be gone a little bit more. Um, in fact, that's ultimately Friday why we met with with Ebby and Chris up in, in Lee Summit. It was just we wanted to hear about Serve India as they're, as they're a kind of a affiliation with CMC and, and how can we better help that and resource that. And ultimately, what we really want is to steal what they're doing and do it in West Africa. So we were pretty honest. We're like, uh, what you're doing here is awesome. We need to do that there uh, so that it's repeatable. So, so anyway, that's our next steps. As far as when do we move, we have no idea. Um, we have a house that we can rent starting in July. So we have a place to go. Uh, we have to obviously sell our house. Once our house sells, then we'll move into the rental and then look for something new. So, I, I mean, it could be July 2nd. It could be July 31st. It could be August 4th. I, I don't know. Um, that's our life right now. We're just living in the unknown. Um, that's kind of been our life since I ridiculously told God, I will go wherever you tell me. Like, don't say prayers like that unless you mean it. Like... And I'm not saying he's going to send you because we're needed everywhere. But I said that prayer and apparently God knew that our family could handle moving. And so Kevin asked me this morning, that's why we were talking in the office. He's like, does it get any easier? I don't know exactly what he said. No, it doesn't. Like moving doesn't get any easier. We don't actually really like moving. Lydia was pretty clear last week. She's change is not. We don't like change. It's tough. Um, it's exciting for new adventures and exciting to explore. But it's tough. It's tough. Like we, it does not get any easier. Um, but for whatever reason, that's what God has had for our family. Um, pray for my wife and kids. I, I feel bad for them. Um, essentially, my wife married a Paul. And I, somebody told me that early on. They just prophesied over me. They're like, you're a Paul and you're going to go multiple places and you're going to invest, but you're going to be moving. And, I, and that's really what God has done in my life. I've gone places, I've shaken, I've, I've stirred, I've woken up. And then God's like, OK, but I'm not a sustainer. Like, I'm just not. Like, I know that about myself. When I have to sustain something, I kill it. Like, I mean, I kill it with force. Like, I kill it dead good. Um, I, I kill it dead good. So that's my good English I've learned. Maybe I shouldn't be the partner of director development. 
Uh, I just I'm not I'm not that sustainer. That's just not who I am. And and so this morning, my my sermon isn't I'm not preaching just from a specific passage. It's kind of like in that Paul theme, like here are just three final thoughts I want to give you guys, because really, I'm not like leaving forever. This is a goodbye. See you later. I'm still part of the conference. When you have mission month and you need a guy to come, you can call the guy to come. And that's me. Um, we can talk about Rosa, we can catch up, we can still, with technology, you can text, you can call, you can do FaceTimes. Um, the world's different. You can stay connected. And we have, we literally have friends all over the world. We have friends in Portugal and Africa and Spain and Pennsylvania and Indiana and Washington. They're all over the place. And that's the cool thing. And so that's kind of this morning. I just want to kind of give you these final thoughts. But again, just... I just, yeah, pray for my wife and kids. I think sometimes I'm like, why does dad have to be like Paul? Um, so I don't know what's next. I know we're going to Ohio. Um, I know that it'll be scary. It'll be different. Um, for the first time in 17 years, I can sit with my wife in church. I can go to church with my wife. Like, there's going to be some differences. And we'll find out if we really like each other or not when we sit next to each other. <laughs> when I'm sitting there like doodling, she'll be like, what are you doing? Stop that. Um, because we've never done that. We've never sat together in church ever um, in 21 years of marriage. So it, it's going to be different. It's going to be new. Um, so just appreciate your your prayers. Um, so that's kind of what's next for us. And that's kind of what this morning is going to look like. Just kind of some some final thoughts and, and some scripture, of course. I'm not going to not open the Bible. Um, but the first thing, and it, and it hit me last week as the kids were up here and they were doing that song with the names on the backs of just different ways that we identify people or we allow ourselves to be identified. And I think Lath was Jesus and he came up and he tore them all up one by one and they turned over with these new names under Christ. And it just, as I was sitting there, like God just impressed this word on me. Like, what does the cross mean? And so that's why I wanted the screen up. Like, like when you look at this cross and we have two of them in, in our church, well, we have more than that. But when you look at the cross... Like, just think for a second and, and take a second and write down, what does the cross mean to you? What does the cross mean to you? Amen. I don't know who said that, but amen. He said Jesus. And the cross does mean Jesus. It's, it's the perfect answer. But one thing that I have realized in my life, and, and maybe you won't resonate with this, and maybe you will, but I think for me personally, for far too, far too often, and I, I go in ebbs and flows of this, I take the cross for granted, right? It, it's, it's a decoration piece. It's in our churches. We, we wear it as jewelry. But if you think about what it means, the cross literally means death. Right. The cross, I mean, like the cross was not pretty. <laughs> Jesus's cross was not stained and polished. Like, I know this wood is rough, but someone took the time to stain it and seal it. The cross that Jesus carried was not stained and sealed. It was probably hastily put together. It was bound with cords similar to that. As he carried it on his back, there would have been splinters all over his back and his neck. And for the next guy that carried it, because when Jesus could no more, he would have been ravaged 
with cuts and scrapes. It was heavy. It was enduring. And the whole time that you're carrying that cross, just think about that. You're carrying that cross through the streets of Jerusalem. And you just have that on your back. And you're literally marching to your death. Why everyone's staring at you. Much like you guys are staring at me. Everyone's mocking you. Making fun of you. Passing judgment on you. Assuming because you have gotten the ultimate death sentence in the Roman culture, you must be horrible. Because why else would you be going out to the skull? Why would you out, would you go out to the place where the worst of the worst died? Why else would you have a cross on your back? So there are people all over Jerusalem. Jerusalem was packed for the Passover. There was thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem from all over the world. That's why Pentecost had people from all over the world, because they didn't leave. They stayed there until Pentecost was over. Talk about vacations, man. They took like 45-day vacations. And they would have stayed there. And so some of these people knew about this Jesus of Nazareth. Some of these people have heard of the miracles. But the majority of people didn't. They just knew there's this beat-up guy carrying this cross to his death. That's why in one of the Gospels, Jesus looked at the women and he said, Stop weeping. Stop weeping for me. He says, stop weeping for me. Weep for what? Jerusalem. Weep for the people that don't have a clue what's going on right now. And as, just, as that hit me, as these kids were up there doing that song, I realized, I think it's too often we don't remember what the cross means. And you're like, wow, this is really dark. Right? Matthew 10, 38. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Guys, it's not black and it's not gray. That's a black and white statement. There's no tricky Greek. There's no funky words. Whoever does not take his cross. So that cross represents death. Death to what? Death to our life. We sang it in the last three songs. All three of them. All six verses that Darla had to sing, every single one was talking about giving up your will, giving up your life. And yet, what do we fight to do? Holding on to all of that. I'm not going to give it up. This is my life and you're not going to tell me what to do. And yet Jesus says, look, you've got to pick up your cross. You have to pick up your life. You have to follow me. And if you can't follow me with that cross, walking to your earthly death, your physical death, your body death, if you can't do that, you're not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, that cross, that representation means we have to die to self. Every single day. And again, I I think we've kind of lost sight of that. Like once saved, I'm always saved. I don't have to do anything else. I raised my hand. I said this prayer. That's great. But it's a daily decision. It's a daily choice to say, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm going to follow him to death. And so every single day until we actually die and go to heaven, we have to die. Why? Because we're sinners. Unfortunately, we live in this sinful flesh. And even though Christ did die and save us, we still battle that. At least I do every single day. I battle thoughts, I battle words, I battle anger, I battle frustration. I battle and I battle and every day I have to decide I'm going to die to that. I'm going to die to that. I'm going to kill it because it's not who I am anymore. I'm a son, I'm a daughter. In your case, I'm not a daughter. I'm a son, I'm a daughter to Christ. 
I'm going to look like Christ. I'm going to strive to look like Christ. So to look like Christ, I have to carry that cross and kill myself. So that I can look like Christ in my new life. That's what that cross means. It's fine that we wear it as jewelry. It's fine that it's in our churches. But I think sometimes we forget what it means. So I just wanted to leave that first thing. is What does the cross mean? And make sure you don't forget what it means. Because the time is coming rapidly close in this country where that cross is going to mean more to us than anything we've ever known. I don't care who's in office. I don't care what politicians get voting. We are losing our rights day by day. And it's only going to continue because we live in a fallen world. We can't stop it. In fact, the Bible tells us we can't stop it. So we're going to have to choose. What does the cross mean to us? We're going to have to make tough choices, which makes this body, these churches, every church, even that much more important. We will need each other like we've never needed each other ever. We've got to get along. We've got to love each other. We've got to figure things out because we will depend desperately on each other. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So not only does this cross represent death with the die itself, but then she just goes, but by the way, it's restful. Like, what? How is carrying this heavy cross, how is carrying my sins, how is dying myself restful? And he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just thought about that verse this week. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. And I just thought, again, I know it's not Easter, but I just thought through of all the different scriptures about Easter. And as Jesus is walking, the whole time that he's walking to his death, what's he doing? He's encouraging people. <laughs> he's telling people to pray. He's encouraging them. He's giving his last wish. He never once cared about himself. He was lowly and gentle heart. He had every right to be angry, to be frustrated, to be mad. He was falsely accused. And he was like, guys, don't cry. Stay kingdom focused. Stay kingdom focused. Cry for Jerusalem. Cry for the people. On the cross, he's literally encouraging people. He's encouraging the guards that literally are putting him on the cross. He's encouraging the thieves. He's encouraging John. He's encouraging his mother. He never stopped encouraging, teaching, and pointing to his father. He was truly gentle and lowly in heart. If anyone ever had a right to be angry and to just bear it out, it was Jesus. And yet he never did it once. In those moments. He never did it once. And it's so true that as we carry those crosses daily, but yet we come to Christ, it's just, it's peaceful. There's a rest. When I said, God, use me, it hasn't always been easy, but I've always had a peace about it. It doesn't make it easy, but I've always just like, okay, this, this is the next step. This is what we got to do. No, it takes me a while to get there, but I've always had a peace about it. So that's the first thing. What does the cross mean to you? Second thing, stand up for truth. Stand up for truth. And just a couple different verses I want to read about that. Stand up for truth. What is, what is truth, right? Our culture is rapidly redefining truth. Truth is now whatever we claim it to be, whatever we think it to be. And churches are being okay with that. And it's creeping into churches, it's creeping into the church, it's creeping into conferences, and it's not okay. This is the truth. 
It's the only truth. Like, this is it. It's not our culture. It's not a politician. It's not social media. It's not whatever you believe. You don't get to be whatever you want to be. You don't get to pick your gender. You don't get to pick who you want to be. You don't get to pick how you want to live your life. There's truth. And we stopped standing up for the truth, church. And so because of that, people are literally in churches thinking that they're living okay and have no idea that they're nowhere near okay. They're being told that it doesn't matter what they look like and what they do and who they marry and how they live because everything will be okay because it's their truth. And those people are being deceived and they're going to literally die and go to hell. And shame on that pastor and shame on that church. Now, we don't do that here. I'm not saying we even do, but I'm reminding us we've got to continue standing up for truth. So we have the biblical truth, which we have down pat here. We stick in this. We stay in this with the biblical truth. But there are so many other things we've got to stand up for. Just a few of these verses. Proverbs 31, right before it gets into the, the, the perfect woman, so to speak. Uh, but verses 8 and 9, it says, Open your mouth for the mute. For, for the rights of all who are destitute. Well, what did we do yesterday when we walked for life? We opened our mouths for the mute. Those babies that never get a chance to say, I'm here. I'm God's creation. I'm loved. I'm only created. We opened our mouths for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. I know we have so much controversy about what to do with the poor and needy in our country. But yet, as the church, we're supposed to defend them and take care of them. It's all over scriptures. It's in Proverbs. It's in Isaiah. It's in Deuteronomy. It's in Leviticus. It's in James. It's in Corinthians. It's in Romans. We're supposed to take care of them. The church. It's our job. To take care of the poor and needy. And they will always be there. And there will always be more poor and needy. They won't go away. Because we live in a fallen, broken world. So we have to stand up for them. We have to we have to band together. And that starts right here, right now, right? First thing we gotta do is stand up for each other. Have each other's back. Be a family. Be united. Not let the world tear us down and tear us apart. And then when we got that covered, we can go take care of others. But if we can't even take care of ourselves, how in the world are we gonna take care of other people? Now we're not gonna be perfect because we're humans, we're gonna mess up. But it starts by taking care of each other, calling each other out, being accountable, going, man, are you sure you should watch that movie? Are you sure you should do that? What's going on? Haven't seen you in a while. Are you doing okay? Where's your spiritual life at? I'm missing you. I mean, all those little things. Call on the phone, drive into someone's driveway, text them, whatever you got to do. And then we got to defend those. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. We just walked through first Corinthians not that long ago, but that one of these last verses, he says, be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. It's essentially what I gave to Sam yesterday as we did this wedding for him and Holly. I ended it with, dude, this is on you. Guys, every single man in the church, every single husband, this is on us. Be watchful. Stand firm in our faith. What are we teaching our homes? What are we teaching our kids? What are we acting like to our wives? I'm not saying we're doing it wrong, but it starts with us. Act like men. So if we're acting like men, we're acting like men of what? Christ. So we're firm and we're steadfast, but we're also kind and loving and compassionate. 
We don't need a bunch of men living in their parents' basements playing video games. We need men that actually know what this says. They get together and pray together and study the Bible and then take that home and lead their families. And when they're struggling and they're hurting, we go to each other and go, man, I need help. I need accountability. I need prayer. I've stumbled. I've fallen. We need to be honest and vulnerable with each other and stop acting like we're all a bunch of tough guys because we're not. Every single man in this room at one point in their life, probably, maybe not, I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's too bold. I think every single man has cried in this room at least once. Whether it was your wedding day or when a baby was born. Or maybe at a funeral, you've cried, right? It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to talk about them. In fact, I have more respect for the men that I've cried with in some ways because I see the realness. And I love the realness. Because we're in this together and none of us are perfect. And we need to stop acting like we're big, tough, I can do everything. Because we can't. We need each other. There are things I will never be able to do that some of you can do. And I love that about the body and the church. And I count on that. And I love to know that I'm not the only guy struggling. I love to know that other people have emotions because I can be real. And I can be myself. And I don't have to try to be perfect all the time. And I know that people will still love and care for me. So we've got to act like men. Being strong in our faith. And it says, let all that you do be done in love. And I love that Paul and stops it with that. Look, he just gave all these things. Stand firm, be faith, act like men, be strong. But what? Do it all in love. Because it's really easy to do a lot of those things without love. But man, do these things in love. Think before we speak. Think hard before we speak. Sometimes we just kind of bite our tongue. We do things in love. And sometimes when we have those hard conversations, it's because what? Because we love the person. And we care. And we want something better. And the last one I just want to share from, on this topic of stand up for the truth is from Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 14 through 21. I'm not going to read it all. But this, this passage in Ephesians is as Paul is essentially writing a letter to the church of Ephesus saying some of these exact same things that I'm saying this morning. He says, you got a prayer, pray for spiritual strength. He says in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, or, I'm sorry, chapter 3. I lied to you, not chapter 4. Chapter 3, I am so sorry. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Think about that for a second. Every family came from God. God created mankind. God still creates mankind in the womb. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Guys, we don't get stronger by lifting more weights. We don't get stronger by running more. We don't get stronger by working harder. We get stronger by being filled with the Spirit. Sure, take care of our physical bodies, of course. But we get strong by being filled with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, letting the Spirit be a part of our inner being. Our strength comes from God, not ourselves. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. There's that word love again, right? I said this was stand firm. So that we're rooted and grounded in love. May have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth 
and that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Ten years ago, I write in my Bible. My, I write all over my Bible. Maybe you guys don't. And a lot of times I date stuff. And literally ten years ago, I, I had read that. I underlined it. And I just wrote, Lord, fill me with your fullness. I don't need more of my fullness. i got enough of that. Lord, fill me with your fullness. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That was one of the themes as we pray this morning at 9 a.m. All this work that God is doing and it's abundantly more than what we even thought or asked for. Because why? Because God's doing it. So we've got to stand firm. We've got to stand up for truth. We've got to stand for what's right. So that's the, the second one. I got one more to give you guys, and we'll end it here. Turn over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Here's my question. What are you going to do with the keys? Here are two keys to the church. Karen and I's keys that we've had for five years. That we're going to leave here today. And these keys have opened a lot of things. Sure, this key opens the door. But man, keys represent so much. These keys have opened happiness at weddings. These keys have opened sadness at funerals. These keys have opened despair in marriage counseling or hope in marriage counseling. These keys have opened joy in pre-marriage counseling of what's next. These keys have opened parties, meals, prayer times, worship times. Keys are a powerful thing. They open lots of things. And these are the keys to the church. I don't even know what all of them do anymore. You guys will have to figure it out. That's the cabinet across the street that clearly wasn't locked the day it got robbed. Probably my fault. I don't know that. This is my office key. This is the key to the shed. Represents fun, cider, sale. I don't know what these two keys do anymore. That's the key to the mailbox, Garden City. But each one of these keys represents something, right? It opens a door. It opens something locked. But more importantly, Jesus tells Peter... And Matthew 16, verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Church, that's us. We're the church. God told the disciples, I'm going to build this church on you. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're not losing. We can't lose. 
I mean, Jesus said it. Do we believe it? He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's live it like we believe it. I, I like it when we repeat a song because we're claiming it, right? You are the way maker. That is who you are. And sometimes we just need to say it over and over to actually believe it because we're so full of doubt. Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to build the church on you, on this rock. Peter, the guy that denied me, the guy that was an absolute mess. I'm using you to build the church along with all your brothers. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because I already went and conquered hell. They can't touch you because I've got your back. And he says right here, verse 19, and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so these keys, man, they open doors, they open locks, they start cars, they open lots of things. But ultimately, we church have the keys to heaven. Right. And so every time we come into this place and use this key, what are we doing? We're opening up the gates of heaven. We're saying, come on in. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's party. Let's do whatever we got to do. And we got the ultimate key to heaven right here. If you're not sure what it says, then read it more. <laughs> read it every day. Memorize it. Spend time in it. Dwell in it. Like it says in Psalms 1, be a tree rooted in it. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall not be bound in heaven. I'm sorry. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. My bad. That's horrible the way I said that. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Man, prayer is a powerful thing. We have the keys to heaven. So what are we going to do with the keys? Man, what are we going to do with the keys? Like, I'm telling you, this stuff works. I've prayed, and I've bound things, and I've cast demons out, and I've prayed for healing, and it works. It doesn't always work the way I want it to, and it doesn't always work the way I think it should, but it always works. And you guys have these same keys. Each one of you as a disciple, each one of you as a follower of Christ, each one of you has the same spirit in you. Each one of you has the same exact key. Maybe you're the one person in the church that doesn't have a key to this church. Just go out in the community and you can find one. But the point is you have the keys to heaven. You have the keys to the kingdom. You have the keys to give people hope, to give people life, to give people love. So what are you going to do with the keys? And to take that a step further, keys also open people's hearts. And when you're willing to go the extra mile, when you're willing to understand what the cross means, when you're willing to stand up for truth, and you're willing to take the time to open people's hearts, you will be absolutely amazed what you find. And it's going to be everything. There's going to be messes, there's going to be dirt, there's going to be shame, there's going to be excitement. There's going to be love. It's literally going to be everything we saw up on the stage, both good and bad. But that's part of our responsibility, right? To be willing to get real with people and open hearts and share. And be like, yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. One of my favorite moments is Kyle and I talk almost weekly. And at first, Kyle, I'm going to sh share some stuff. So if you get mad at me, just tell me to stop. Or throw a hymnal at me. At first, Kyle was real tentative. He didn't want to say anything. And then the more we met, the more I opened up the key, the more I pried open the... the he had a pretty solid lock, man. I'm pretty sure it was like one of those... It took me a while to open it. But the more I pried, 
it opened, the more he opened up. And what I loved, and, and this is what I want to share, it's not revealing anything Kyle said to me, but what I loved is sometimes he would say something and just be like, I can't believe I just said that. And my answer would be like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about, dude. I've totally been there. Thought the same thing. Battled with the same thing. And every time Kyle would be like, really? But you're the preacher. And I was like, but I'm still a sinner. And I'm still human. And I still struggle. And the more that I opened up his heart and shared, then the more he opened up my heart and shared. And we realized that we're the same two guys on the exact same journey. Right? We love our wives, we love our kids, we love our family, and we love Jesus, and we're trying to make all that work. But it takes time. And we have the keys. You have the keys. And most importantly, you have relationships, which means you have the keys to people's hearts. And you have the keys to the truth. So you have the keys to the truth, and you have the keys to people's heart. So I ask you again, what are you going to do with the keys? Are you willing to put the time in? Are you willing to get dirty? Are you willing to cry and share and be vulnerable? Because keys open lots of things. And sometimes it's things we didn't necessarily want to see or hear, but it's necessary for healing to happen. And it's necessary for truth to get let in. That's what I want to leave you with this morning. What does the cross mean to you? Will you stand up for truth? And what will you do with the keys? Let's pray. God, you, we just sang it, you're a way maker, a miracle worker. You are amazing, you are awesome. You've changed lives. You've changed my life. You've changed my wife's life. We're not the same people that we were when we first met in 99. You've changed the lives of people in this room. God, you've opened people's hearts. There's healing that's happened. God, we thank you for that. God, all week long, the Toby Mac song has been just rolling through my head. Help is on the way. Maybe midnight or midday. It may be early, but it's never late. I've lived enough life to say, help is on the way. God, how true is that? Sometimes you show up early and sometimes you show up late so we can learn something. But you never not show up. You've never abandoned us. You've never left us. You've always been there. And I think most of us in this room, a lot of us, at least 50% of us in this room can say, I've lived enough life to say, help is on the way. So God, help us to be patient. Help us to be listening. God, help us to understand what it means pick up that cross and deny ourselves. Help us to stand firm for each other, for the word, for the broken that we're called to serve. God, and help us to use the keys you've given us. You've binded. You've won. 
hell cannot, cannot, I repeat, cannot prevail. God, help us to live like we believe that. God, help us to use the keys that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.